Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, a founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. I'm here to help you experience that fresh encounter. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching, mentoring, and Bible study resources, programs, and courses available at More To Be. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Rochelle Parham. She is the author of Mythical Me, Finding Freedom from Constant Comparison. I love the cover of this book, Mythical Me. It looks like an iPhone reflecting your face in it. It's, it's eye-catching. Rochelle is the author of a spiritual formation primer and blogger at ImpartingGrace.com. She serves as the vice chair on the board of directors at Renovare and is the member of Redbud Writers Guild. Rochelle lives, Rochelle lives in Durham, North Carolina with her husband, Jack. Welcome, Rochelle, to the More To Be podcast. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. And did I say that correctly, uh, Renovare? I, you know what? I've um, made sure you knew how to say my name, but of course I work with a ministry that's just as hard to pronounce as my name. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's a Latin word, renovare, a Latin word that means renew, to renew. renew. So, mm-hmm. renew. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. So I'd love for you to tell us not only about that ministry, because I'm sure that that piques some curiosity, but also about you and about where you find yourself right now and what, what is life like for you on the other side of this Zoom screen? Oh, well, I um, was thinking as you read a little about me, Lisa, that that bio should say her husband of nearly 35 years, because I find myself just about to celebrate my 35th anniversary. Wonderful. And, you know, we're recording this right in right in the time of lockdown. And I find myself thinking that from now on, anytime I can counsel someone um, before they get married, I'm going to say, make sure this is someone that you'd be able to be quarantined with. (laughs) (laughs) Is this someone you want to travel with? Great. Is this someone you'd like to have adventures with? Wonderful. But what if you're stuck at home for weeks and weeks at a time? (laughs) Right. <laughs> Who would have ever right. thought, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, just this morning I was sitting in a, we've rearranged the house to try to create some better spaces and workflows. And so right. I've, I've moved my quiet time corner downstairs to the den. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there this morning, having time with the Lord, doing some work. And I hear the booming voice of my husband. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think I could still hear him from the den. I knew I could hear him from the living room because it's right above where he's teaching in the basement, right. literally next to the boiler. Uh, and his voice, when he gets into teaching mode, just kind of resonates <laughs> through the floorboards. Right. And I was like, I'm on the other side of the house. I still hear him. That's great. Your uh, husband's voice must be like my husband's voice. <laughs> very <well>, boomy. <laughs> it's very interesting because his everyday voice is not. He's quiet. He's not mm-hmm. a conversationalist. But he has teaching voice. <laughs> exactly. Yes. My husband for years was a college professor. Okay. And his students would say that his voice sounded like the voice of God. <laughs> yes. 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 And the kids and I were in the living room the other day. We're listening to him. And I was like, ooh. And they're like, I know he's so scary when he's in teacher voice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes. And you really get to know him. And then they no. know he's not big and scary. Right. Yeah. We're actually 
really grateful that right right now for this lockdown phase it's just the two of us at home so we have we have three kids um but they are young adults and um the oldest is married and lives in florida with his wife and um the our middle son is an accountant and lives in the next county over and our youngest son had just moved into his own apartment just before all this started bless him i'm my guess is right now he's wishing he still lived here in in the family home with lots of room and a big yard and whatever yeah yeah yeah. and and a mama to cook some meals probably well you know what i think he's getting some great cooking experience (laughs) so that's good it's good so yeah so life is as different for you as it is for the rest of the country as we're recording this it'll be curious when it actually airs as we listen back to history and and say wow like Things are just changing so fast. Our they world are. is changing so fast. Yep. And so, you know, today's um, I, I topic, this comparison trap topic, I feel like is is timeless. It has been an issue since the beginning of time, as far as I'm concerned. It's an issue I've struggled with. It's an issue I see my kids struggling with. It's an mm. issue I see social media has made 10 billion times worse. So mm. would you kind of take us to the beginning of your story? wherever you want to start your story and let us get to know you, but also what led to you writing this book? I'd be honored to. And actually probably the best place to start my story is, is where I start the book. Yeah. Um, because I've struggled with this problem my whole life, but I never knew that I was doing it. I never knew I was comparing myself with other people until one day, about 20 years ago, I had spent the day with friends at, you know, wonderful, three wonderful Christian women from my new church. I'd just moved into a new town and um, they invited me to go with them to a big women's Bible study on the other side of town. And they even offered um, to let me carpool with them. So Mm -hmm. they were just being good friends. (laughs) They didn't know what my mind was going to do with them. But that evening when I got home, my husband was asking questions about the Bible study. And I began to tell him not only about the Bible study, but also about the trip across town with those three Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And in the course of the conversation, I found myself saying things like, Oh, I so wish I could be like Belinda. She's Mm. the friendliest person. And then later, man, I wish I were more like Anne. She is so organized and with it. And still later, if only I could be like Shanna. She is so beautiful and so poised. And my husband stopped me, Lisa. Mm. He stopped me mid-sentence and said, Mm. you're doing it again. Yeah. And I had no clue. I didn't realize what I was doing. Mm. But he pointed out to me that um, this was something I did regularly. Mm. And he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, whenever you meet someone, you choose that person's best attributes. Mm -hmm. And you compare yourself to the person's outstanding attribute. Mm. And he then went on to say, you've concocted for yourself a mythical composite woman made up of all those good attributes. Mm. And that's who you expect yourself to be. Yeah. And he gently pointed out that the mythical composite woman does not exist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not who I 
should be striving to be, but I, I couldn't see it for myself. I was so entrenched. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it led to some real problems in my life. This was not just a um, dissatisfaction. You know, there, there's mm -hmm. that old mm -hmm. saw that is attributed to Theodore Roosevelt, that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, yeah. Joy? Are you kidding? This seeped into every aspect of my life. And yeah. later I was able to discern that what had happened was that I was taking my own insecurities that were prompting me to compare myself with others. Yeah. And I was projecting those onto everyone in my life. Yeah. So yeah. I, I could not view myself as acceptable. So yeah. I struggled to view anyone else as accepting me. Mm -hmm. I thought of myself as unlovable. So I struggled to believe that anyone loved me. Amazing. And this led to, as you can imagine, yeah, <laughs> a yeah. lot of relational difficulties. Yeah. I can say that with a laugh now because I ended up in the office of the therapist and I am mm -hmm. so grateful. Things got to a crisis point and I ended up needing professional help. And I'm so glad. I'm yeah. so grateful because that therapist helped me to you know, peel back the layers of the yeah. onion and figure out what was, what was going on. And as it turns out, I, you know, we discovered she and I, that, that I was born with a birth defect. Yeah. And from my earliest days, I was mm -hmm. comparing myself to the people around me because Absolutely. of that birth defect. Yeah. And it just became a, an entrenched habit. Yeah. 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 It, as I was reading the pages, first off, I've underlined almost everything oh. uh, because, because it touched on so many different things. Like you didn't reveal your birth defect right away. And so, you know, I'm thinking how familiar that pattern is of mm. comparing yourself to everybody's, you know, better version. I, you know, I've mm -hmm. often thought of it as I'm looking at their front yard life and I haven't paid attention to what's going on in the closets. Oh, wow. Right? There you go. Yeah. Right? That's, that's kind a great of analogy. Mm -hmm. the mindset. And one of my great issues has been um, being jealous of other people's homes. Like we love to walk oh, as a family and drive right. drives. And I'm like, I want that house. I want that house. I want that house. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is always prompting me. Do you want what goes on inside that house too? Like wow. that has been the story, uh, you know, part of the story for me. And I, but as I read it, I was like, understanding, like I was reading a familiar childhood storybook, but no longer feels like the present one that I'm living in, hmm. yet recognizing with compassion for the first time, what some of my daughters struggle with. Mm -hmm. And so you got to the point of describing your birth defect and how that shaped your perspective. And I found myself thinking, well, my children don't have birth defects. So what has shaped their perspective? How has this comparison trap become a, a part of their story when there isn't that, that piece? So maybe you want to unpack that a little bit more and tell us more about this birth defect that you have. Sure. Had. Yeah. And then the other pieces of that puzzle. Right. Well, my, my birth defect comes from a, an extremely rare disease. Um, it, it's so rare that it's named for the, the two French physicians who first identify it, right? right? It's called Clipel-Trenonet syndrome. And it's, um, it's ultra rare, but it is characterized by, among other symptoms, um, 
uh, a, a large port wine stain. Mm -hmm. So most of the right side of my body is covered with a, a really dark purplish birthmark. Mm -hmm. um, and there are other symptoms as well. Um, you know, that side of my body is larger than the other side of my body and mm -hmm. um, very difficult things involving the particularly the blood vessels. Mm. But for the most part, I'm a very healthy person. But this, this mark yeah. um, made me very different, you know, from mm. the time I was born. And what I've realized is, as I've talked with other people, men and women, is that most of us have something that in our eyes marks us. Yeah. Very yeah. few other people have a birthmark like mine. I've, I've run into very few. But People will have something, a physical characteristic, mm -hmm. a characteristic of their life, a characteristic of their mental, emotional, or spiritual health that, mm -hmm. as they see it, sets them apart from others. Yeah. And yeah. that that leads to some insecurity that I think then leads to comparison because we are all, all of us have this this absolute need to be loved that's yeah. just that's an irreducible need of humankind it's part of the way god created us right. and the the very saddest thing is that god created us to need love and he also created us as deeply loved yes he loves us so deeply but when we are not able to register the love when we're, when we're not able to understand and accept it we found find ourselves on a quest for it yeah. we're looking for signs that were lovable and acceptable and comparisons one of the primary tools for that mm. i mean you know, comparison itself is not is not a bad thing there are lots mm -hmm. of good kinds of comparison it's mm -hmm. a tool that we use all the time it's a wonderful teaching tool jesus used comparison in right. his teaching you know he would say people would ask him questions and very often he would answer with a metaphor or a simile those are comparisons mm. so comparison is not is there's nothing evil about it there's nothing wrong about it in and of itself mm. but comparison wrongly used used doesn't cure insecurity it just leads to greater insecurity yeah. and yeah. one of the things after I began studying it that really um, made me sad is that not only did I have this predisposition to comparing mm -hmm. myself to others but I gained more of it very sadly because of my um, religious upbringing yeah. I'm so yeah. grateful for my religious heritage. And yet it was very strict, um, very little grace, mm. uh, very little assurance and a lot of expectation. So wow. I would, I would tend to measure myself against a checklist. Am I this enough? Am I that enough? Am I doing mm. this right? Am I getting that correct? Yeah. And that just yeah. led to more and more insecurity. And yeah. I found a lot of folks, um, one way or the other, not necessarily from the same religious heritage, yeah. but yep. from the same sort of checklist kind of faith, yeah. not, not um, a faith that, that leads us into a close relationship with Jesus, but one that leads us to think that God is probably angry at us or at least mm -hmm. disappointed. Yeah. 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 That would make sense because you know, I did not grow up 
as a believer. I grew, you know, I came to faith in college. And as a new believer, I was looking for all the do's and the don'ts. Mm-hmm. So there was a natural tendency. You do this, but you don't do that comparison. Right. And to some regards, that was great because it moved me out of the way the flesh and the world, you know, the old sure. worldview lived compared mm-hmm. to what's a biblical worldview. But as I think about that context with raising my children, that I was very like, it, based on where I was in my spiritual development, it was very clearly, we do this, we don't do that. We do this, but we don't do that. Right. right. And, and we were at a boarding school, uh, which was the best gift in the whole world and the most challenging one because mm-hmm. we were living with families that we all professed faith with, but the interpretation of the practices were very diverse. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who could watch Harry Potter and who couldn't? Who could, uh, yeah. you know, be the princesses from Disney Princess versus who couldn't? Who could, you know, watch High School Musical versus who couldn't? And there mm-hmm. were, there were um, this idea of having to fit a mold, mm-hmm. which makes you, I think, more um, aware of where you don't fit rather than where you do fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, Lisa, just listening to you just then in, yeah. in the things that you just said, you used comparison a couple of times yeah. in a very effective, explanatory way. So, um, yeah, you said you, for instance, you compared life as a believer versus the yep. life in the world. Excellent comparisons. The trouble comes, I think, when we begin comparing ourselves mm. to the selves of other people. And here's why. I, after living with this for so many years, and then for the last several years studying it, yeah, right. <laughs> guns blazing, studying it, what I've discovered is that comparison is the thief of joy. Only That only makes sense if you consider what is the source of joy? Mm. There are two sources of joy. One absolutely is, is God. Mm. The source of joy is a um, connection to God. Yeah. Joy is also, though, used as a synonym for happiness. And that's, that's not an incorrect way to think of joy. Mm-hmm. But the greatest source of happiness, there have been lots of psychological studies, the greatest source of happiness is relationships, deep connection to other people. So whether it's from God or from others, the source of joy is connection Mm. and comparison by its very nature is an isolating act. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I um, am being certified in trauma-focused equine-assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I know. I talk about it all the time. Everybody's (laughs) probably sick of me talking about it. But this, the piece of connection is where I look at what I'm learning and I see God designed connection as a source of healing mm-hmm. that, that where, how the brain lights up and where we That's move right. from fear and trauma up into uh, a fully integrated brain where we can relationally connect with each other right. that leads to right thinking. So of course the thief is going to isolate us from one another. Absolutely. Because then he blocks healing and he blocks mm-hmm. sound biblical thinking mm-hmm. because we need each other for that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree with what you have found. Right. Not that you need my approval, but. But I'm so glad to hear it. Right. I'm yeah, always, yeah. I'm always glad when people can bring another bit of um, 
biblically based sound thinking to the picture and say, yes, this makes sense because of this or that. And, um, you know, I first discovered it in my own life, Mm -hmm. but then I thought, well, is this, is this a true principle or is Mm -hmm. this just what's working for me at the moment? You know, there's a big difference between pop psychology and sound truth. Sometimes there's crossover. (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes, but it's yes. usually fleeting. <laughs> yeah, you really have to discern it. And I, yes. I end up taking a this this training that I'm going through is not biblically based, mm-hmm. but as they just you know have taught through sound psychology, right. like that this is the way the brain works, and this is what the researchers right. have discovered. I'm like, this is why we can pray, we mm-hmm. can memorize scripture, we can go mm-hmm. to Bible study, we can continue to do all the things and have no progression. Mm-hmm. It's because we are, our brain is not fully integrated between the relationship side, the relationship with God, the relationship with one another mm-hmm. and what the truth is. And yep. so that's where therapy, well, you know, exactly. And right. the, the thing that's so comforting is to remember that all truth is God's truth. Yeah. You know, so, so the training program you're in right now may not be biblically based, but to the extent that it contains truth, that truth came from God, regardless of whether the instrument for using Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. knows about God or not. The person teaching you may not know that they are speaking truth that is from God, but that doesn't, you know, disbelief has never altered any facts. Oh, yeah. No. All truth yeah. is from God. So, yeah. Yeah. and to circle back around to the love piece of it, like in first John four, where it, it says that, that we will know the love of God through experiencing that one to another, right? right? So if we love one another, others will see God through that loving. I mean, mm-hmm. there is, is an everything about who God is. It is a relational God who has designed us for connection. That's right. And so if comparison is, is, you know, the, the outward expression of an inward insecurity that is isolating us from connection, it is a highly needed area of our lives that we need to attend to. Right. And you asked earlier, what led me to write the book? Yeah. Yeah. The short answer to that is no one talks about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I read everything I could get my hands on about comparison, and it almost all of it falls into the category, I'd, I'd probably say, of self-help. Mm-hmm. It's like how to stop comparing yourself to others, mm-hmm. all based on you, mm-hmm. never based on you and everyone else. Okay. Um, now, and some people would venture into your personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But that was it. There was the, it never, and I found myself thinking, well, what about everybody else? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, not the yeah. only one here. How do I relate to others? Even if I have a good sense of self-worth, that still doesn't necessarily help me relate to others. And if it weren't for others, I wouldn't be comparing myself to begin right. with. Right. Right. So right. that, that very, very narrow focus on self is never going to get us all the way there. Yeah. And here's why. I deeply believe here's why we are created in the image of a God who is in his own being relationship. Yep. Yeah. You gave me goosebumps. I preach. Oh, when, you know, we, we were created 
for relationship yep. because we were created by relationship. Yeah. Yep. Relationship yep. is the way we were intended to work. And that's not because we've evolved to be that way. It's not mm -hmm. because we, we can't be self-sufficient. No, it's because God in his very being yeah. has always been relationship and mm -hmm. cares so much about his image bearers Yes, that yes. he lifts us into that life. You know, yeah. the scriptures make so clear that God makes us his children. Yes. He, yep. he, does, he doesn't leave us to try to figure out how to relate to one another. He makes us his children at great cost. Yes. <laughs> he makes us in, his children. He lifts us into the life that the Trinity has enjoyed forever. Mm. That's the life we're lifted into. That's the life we're meant to enjoy with God. And yet we tend to look at things through such individualistic lenses mm -hmm. and particularly in the West, you know, I mean, yeah. And I think even particularly in United States, you yeah. know, so there's so much in what we're taught about what's great about our country that boils down to the idea of rugged individualism and yeah. being self-sufficient. Yeah. And the truth is no one is self-sufficient. And we no. were never intended to be. So often I run into people who, who share with me, like through tears often, that they just mm. don't feel like they're enough. You yep. Know? Yep. But that's because they've been taught that they're supposed to be all that in a bag of chips. Yeah. Yep. No. Yep. No. And sometimes I'll hear teach. I've heard teachers say, well, no, you're not enough, but Jesus is that's supposed to make it all better. And that, that's not right. No, yeah. you are, you are perfect. You're not only enough, you're plenty to be you. And Ooh. you were never intended to be all of the puzzle. You were always intended to be one part of the puzzle. And Ooh. so you really, there really is freedom in Christ. There's freedom for you to be who you are. God created each of us. We're all different, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we start concentrating on that, the, all those differences, we end up sort of with, you know, oh, we're all snowflakes. And that was part of the advice I got too, right? Oh, you're, yeah, right. you're a snowflake. <laughs> That's not very helpful. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But, but we, we are all, we are all unique and we're all necessary. We're all needed. Yes. We're all, we're all meant to be part of a glorious whole. So mm. I can say with full confidence that I am less without you. Mm. And I can then also say, you know, she's also less without me. Mm. We're meant to work together. And, yeah. and I, I, I love that. I just think it was so kind of God yeah. to create yeah. us in that way. Yeah. And the enemy of our souls has from the beginning, you know, lies have only, the, those have always been his best tool. That's what he's got to work with is lies, right? Yeah. Yep. Only yep. God has truth. The enemy has lies. And one of the greatest lies is you can't trust anyone else. You have to stand on your own you, and you, you're deficient if you can't be totally independent. Mm. Hogwash. Yeah. So <laughs> the what is the way? is not understanding how interconnected we are. Right. So what is the way forward for somebody who is listening and they're identifying with what you're saying, they're recognizing that they have 
believe the lies of the enemy about their self-worth, that they're caught in the comparison trap, that they're lacking joy, lacking connection, what is, what is the next step that they should take? Well, there are a couple of things I would say. Okay. One is getting some understanding of the truth. Mm. In fact, when I wrote the book, I, um, you know, the, the title's Mythical Me. So I, 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 come, um, I come upon, first of all, with all these myths that we believe. Mm. Yeah. But the only way to counter those myths is with some truth. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say, absolutely, you have to be confronted with some truth about God, or else any next step is just going to be taking you down even further down a road that's not a good, yeah. not a good road. So yeah. until we have some idea of God as the good and beautiful God whom Jesus knows, then I think um, we're going to be going in the wrong direction. So understanding the truth, first yeah. of all, I think the truth about that, God as good and loving, as love in his own being, the, the God of generosity, the God who was mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. um, that has to come first, I think. And then so, understanding some truth about ourselves and truth mm-hmm. about other people. So I would say understanding some truth needs to come first. Mm-hmm. And then there is another step. There's another step that can last the rest of our lives. And I mm. think that is recognizing that we are creatures of habit mm. and mm-hmm. comparison ends up being a habit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny because um, what your, your passion right now for neuroscience. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I love is that neuroscience is showing us yes. in, in actual readings of the brain, showing us what um, teach, wisdom teachers have known for years. So yeah, yep. many years ago, Thomas Akempis, author of The Imitation of Christ, mm-hmm. he wrote, habit overcomes habit. Yep. Well, what does neuroscience show us? That habits are deeply embedded in the brain. They're there to stay. And they can't just, you know, so much teaching is, oh, well, don't compare yourself to others. Bye. Have a nice day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when it's a deeply ingrained habit, it has to be replaced with new, different habits. Yeah. Yep. And there are habits that can be taken on that combat the habit of constant comparison. So I yeah. think building those new habits actually is the way forward. I love it. And that's it. what I devote the last third of the book to is, is exploring some of those habits. But yeah. this is the way we are formed. When we yeah. talk about spiritual formation, we are, we are acknowledging that our spirits are formed. Mm-hmm. Just as our minds are formed and our bodies are formed, our spirits are formed. Yeah. And, and that is through, generally speaking, that's through the use of, of these habitual behaviors. We often call them spiritual disciplines, yes. right? Yes. They're disciplines yes. just because that means we undertake them in a disciplined manner. We do right. them over and over and God meets us there. They end up being a means of grace mm-hmm. because you know what we're talking about, Lisa, is change that needs to happen deep within. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's change that God has to do. You, you can't reach inside your own heart. Yeah. Yeah. But you can put yourself in a place with some new habits to make yourself available for God to change you. And this is a habit that can be overcome with some new habits. I love it. I totally agree. I mean, especially from the 
the biblical perspective and the neuroscience perspective, one of one of the things that we're doing this uh, year, 2020 at More to Be is we're studying the names and the attributes of God every week, mm -hmm. a new name, mm -hmm. a new attribute every week. Because to me that, I mean, he's been nagging me for years to do that, mm -hmm. but, but who is God is core, which is where you started. It's right. what is God's identity and how do we perceive who God is? Mm -hmm. And so let's strip back the preconceived notions right. and the, the false teachings that we have unknowingly been under from time to time and the popular cultural thoughts about who mm -hmm. God is. And let's study his word to create a new habit in our mindset about who God is. Yeah. And so you got to get you, that sorted first, don't you? You have to, you <laughs> yeah. have to. And, you know, I've been teaching the coach training course for uh, seven or eight years now. And so, you know, one might say I'm a little slow at times, but every, every course I teach on identity and it's broken down into three parts, which is the parts that you address mm -hmm. in this book. Who does God say he is? Mm -hmm. Who do we say we are? And who do we say others are? Mm. Like, what is our perception on those things? And so I, I often say that the coach training course is a personal spiritual intensive that even if it's not something that somebody wants to do to launch their coaching practice or to integrate into their professional work or their ministry work, mm -hmm. the work that you have to do to go through the coach training class is, is about this foundational principles of who is God and, and how does that imp impact how you see yourself and how you see others mm -hmm. and the life choices you take. So we do a core beliefs assessment, which is, that was life changing for me when I had that mm. for my homework as a student. And I had to say, you know, there was a statement that said, it, do you believe this about God? And I would say, yeah, I think so. And then at the right. end of it, look at that and say, whoa, I'm a little off from a theological perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, I mean, honestly, there's just a lot of bad theology out there. There is. <laughs> there just is a lot. Sure. And I, I, um, you know, it, I, I was reminded of something. It's one of my one of my favorite little quotations. Um, it actually comes from the Puritans, who get okay. a bad rap in most of our discussions, right? Yeah, right, but, right. Um, they used to like to say that God, in Himself, is a sweet society. Mm. Isn't that precious? Isn't that, that I, is I love precious. it. That that captures the that fact that from all eternity, yeah. God has been a relationship. Yeah. This is so difficult for us to get our minds around. I mean, you know, I have spent hours, hours, like hundreds of hours yeah. <laughs> studying the Trinity for, with some really, really good teachers. And I would say I now understand a good one one thousandth of one percent. Wow. I mean, you know, there's just, it's, it's a mind blowing concept, right? It's like trying yeah. asking yourself, how long is forever? You know, it's just a mind blowing concept yeah. that God in himself is three persons. And yet I really think we need to have our minds blown yeah. and to have our minds opened up to the beauty that is relationship, yeah. the way we were designed to be. Because if I can start looking at you, 
not as someone to whom I should compare myself. Yes. Not as someone from whom I should isolate myself. Not as someone from whom I should be protected, but as someone for whom I can be grateful, someone Mm -hmm. with whom I can cooperate, Mm -hmm. and someone for whom I can champion, oh, it turns your, it's your world gets turned on its head. Yes. When you can look at other people that way, we're taught to compete. Yeah. God invites us to commune. I love that. I love that. That is, that is it. That is it. So with that thought, I know you had a particular scripture passage that you wanted to share with us. Will you take us there? Oh, like oh I, would, I would love to, because the, the passage, you know, I love, I love the old apostle John. I just, I, one of the reasons I love him is because in his gospel, he always refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Yes. And that used to be so off-putting to me, yeah. but I have come to realize, oh, no, John just knew who he was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Any, any of, any of Jesus's disciples could have identified themselves that way. Right. Right. I'm the one one who, whom Jesus loves. Yeah, I know. That's right. And so I I love his gospel. I love his epistles, you know, words Mm -hmm. that he wrote when he was an old man and had, Mm -hmm. he had walked with Jesus when Jesus was on the earth and then Mm -hmm. many more years after Jesus had ascended. And this is what he says in first, in the first chapter of first John. Yeah. Um, I'll just read a little bit. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Mm. The life appeared. We've seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We write this to make our joy complete. Now listen to this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. No pressure, right? Just like this is the message. I'm going to have, here's a couple sentences and this sums up, right? Right, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another Mm -hmm. and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. You know, that verse seven, I'd heard that verse quoted a bazillion times when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And the important part of that verse always emphasized to me was that his blood cleanses us from all sin. Sure. Yeah. You know, because his blood cleanses us from sin, God no longer deals with us on the basis of our sin. Yeah. God deals with us as beloved children. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, mm-hmm. we have fellowship with one another. I know. This is what we're designed for. Right. The right. God right. of fellowship designed us for mm-hmm. fellowship. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we can look at each other not as 
co-comparers, mm -hmm. <laughs> not as competition. You know, mm. comparison, constant comparison is a lonely life, oh. Lisa. Yep. But as God's beloved children, we are invited to leave behind that lonely life yeah. and to yeah. enter into a life of confidence and compassion mm -hmm. and community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just soaking it in. Like it's so, it's so wonderful to hear your humility with your wisdom mm. on this and the, the emphasis on the, the relationship with God. Like I've seen people say things, quote things, say, I don't need anyone. I've got God alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, mm -hmm. um, yeah, God's enough for me. Right. And I, I've, I've resisted even verbally. I have gotten kind of bold about it and be like, no, he didn't make himself to be enough for you. Like he made himself to be enough with you, with you, with others. And, mm -hmm. and this just proclaims that, at, you know, as you read the, the reiteration of fellowship, 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 right. you know, we's, the we. So you have, you know, John speaking in the we come to you. Mm -hmm. Right. There's community in, in right there in the in the ministry work. And then, you know, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet we we he's not saying I mm -mm. He, is, he is talking in the plural of of community. And um, he goes on, if we say we have no sin, like you said, we are deceiving ourselves from the truth and the, the truth is not in us. But if we, this is, I'm picking up at verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This, the continuation of the we, 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 mm -hmm. let's do this together and not right. apart. Right. Not apart. Not yeah. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, I, I really do think that, and boy, does social media make it worse. Um, comparison is an act of objectifying the folks around you. I, I think it's social media very all too often. Now, it can be a way to connect with one another, mm -hmm. but if we're not careful, it ends up just being a 21st century form of Gnosticism. Of oh. this dualistic thinking of you know spirit and physical and i it's fine mm -hmm. for me to just objectify you to treat you as though you were an avatar yeah no yeah you're yeah. a sister yeah you're a sister you were made i was made we were both made to be sisters in this family of god yeah. that will last forever i know i know yeah. and there's so much more value to that I mean, we can, we can cry alone or we can cry on somebody's shoulders. We can mm -hmm. celebrate alone or we can celebrate in community. Like there's, there's never a moment in with the alone uh, to me is better than the together. Right. Right. And yeah. yet I'm not saying that, you know, introverts are wrong. I, there's, oh, there's no. refueling no. alone. Absolutely. I have my plenty yeah. of time when I want to go be solo. Absolutely. Um, and that is, that is a, a, Jesus models that for us, right? Absolutely. So he chose mm -hmm. alone at times and alone with his father at times. That's right. And, and that's appropriate. But alone in terms of self-sufficiency, which is what you were saying earlier, mm -hmm. and the belief that I need to handle this by myself. Right. Um, it, it just breaks community and connection. Even it was interesting yesterday, my, my son's 14 and 
he was frustrated by a couple of things that happened that were outside of his control. And I, mm-hmm. I am super sensitive, so I could feel the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying to him, like, bud, when you're ready to talk, I'm here. Like, mm-hmm. when you when you need to let it out, I'm here. And I come, this is like a couple hours later, and I come downstairs, and my family is like kind of sitting in the living room, and I hear this horrible sound. I'm like, what in the world is that? And he's having a complete like anger moment alone in the garage yeah and I look at everybody I'm like guys like so I went down and I said can I come in and you know what's going on I'm here I'll just be here with you until you're ready to talk like I'm aware of the fact that when he's that upset talking isn't going to be something that his Mm -hmm. brain he's in brainstem at at this moment and Mm -hmm. not in um, neocortex ability to have cognitive reasoning I just kind of hung out with him and I just started like regulating my breathing, hoping that it would regulate his and that, I, mm-hmm. you know, he'd take a deep breath and talk things through. And God has changed me so much because I didn't feel like I needed to convince him that he was right or wrong. I just needed mm-hmm. to listen. I just needed to be present mm-hmm. until he was ready to process and mm-hmm. got to a place. And I said, would you like me to leave you now? And I went and he said, yes, I left him alone. He was calm come back upstairs. And I'm like, you know, I don't understand. Why didn't you guys go, go do something about that? And, and two of my family members said, well, when I act that way, I don't want anybody to come near me. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, when I act that way, I want somebody to find me and ask me what is wrong. Right. It's a cry know? for help. Right. It's a cry <laughs> for help. So, so it was interesting to process this connection you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and they both said, we'll eventually go, but, but for them, their personalities, and they're very much alike, the two of the three in that room, um, they, they, they tend to be a little bit more self-sufficient and less vulnerable mm-hmm. and less wanting somebody else to deal with their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, I'm like, when you, when you make that choice, it's hard to interpret how no action is an action of love. Right. Right. So it might be, it might be, but that might mean you need some help with the interpretation, right? Right. I mean, you would never have known this if they hadn't been able, if you hadn't asked. Right. And if they hadn't been able to answer honestly. So we learn from one another. Right. Absolutely. There's all kinds of room for every personality type. Yes. For, for every, you know, I don't know how many permutations there are oh, of, right. of Myers-Briggs or how, I mean, I know how many um, Enneagram yeah. types there are, but then there yeah. are subtypes and wings and all that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. There's room for all of them, yeah. but only if every one of us, as different as we are, can be committed to being in relationship with each other. Right. And right. there's all kinds of grace. You know, there's a there's a song that we used to sing when I was growing up. Um, it's called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. So it's oh. spiritual. And it starts, what a fellowship, what yes. a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Well, that fellowship that yeah. we're speaking of is the fellowship that exists yeah. in the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect fellowship. Yeah. Theirs is a joy divine, right? Mm. The rest of us have to work at it. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And in in a way that is respectable and kind and gracious and compassionate mm-hmm. and curious and mm-hmm. and imperfect and 
per persevering, right? Like, so there's Absolutely. just like, okay, so that's how that played out yesterday. How would mm -hmm. it play out next time? Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But there was a, a, one great concept I've, I've gleaned in the last couple of months is that to not label experiences as good or bad, but mm -hmm. rather seeing it as information that helps you make a better decision going forward. That's right. That's right. right. And when you're interacting with other people so often, what they say and what they do gives you lots of information about them. Yes. Right. But, you know, <laughs> but right. what someone else says doesn't necessarily give me information about me. <laughs> right. Right. I need, I need to know who God is. Yes. I need to know who I am yes. and be confident in the fact that I am. I am an imperfect, mm -hmm. sometimes ill-equipped, but mm -hmm. beloved child of God. Mm. And then I'll offer myself in service to you and to others. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still going to be imperfect and often ill-equipped but it's okay yes. because i can be in service without being perfect you I know i've often thought lisa since my husband first said that about the mythical composite yeah. woman yeah. whom i so wanted to be and thought i was supposed to be mm -hmm. i've often thought since then well, what if she existed Ugh. what would she be like yeah and would i want to hang out with her uh -uh. I don't, I don't know. So. That's my opinion. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think right. anybody actually wants to be friends with that composite woman. Yeah. 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 It's too yeah. stressful. We, we, and, we, and we help one another um, by sharing our weaknesses, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and besides that, it's, what, does, what does Christ say to us, right? Yes, yeah. His strength is made perfect in in our weakness yeah. we don't yeah. want to admit our weaknesses and yet the very point of our weakness is where where christ shows himself so strong mm. in our behalf mm. and it it really is it really is okay it yeah. really is okay even as we're living here in the middle of this pandemic mm. we can still say that we are safe and well because we live in the kingdom of God. Yes. The kingdom is Amen. not in trouble. My friend Jim mm. Smith loves to say that um, he, he's given me something that I, that I claim as a confession. That is to look at myself as one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Mm. And he further says the kingdom of God is not in trouble and neither am I. I love that. That's a yeah. good word. Yep. Michelle, thank you so, so, so much. What a delight to talk with you. Yeah, love yeah and now I just I want to come to Pennsylvania and hang yes. out with you. That or would you be can just great. come to North Carolina. It's springtime here. It's gloriously beautiful. That would be excellent. <laughs> so come on down. As soon as the travel uh, restrictions are lifted. Oh, yeah. Come yeah, on yeah. down. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, would you do us a favor? Just remind everybody where they can find you again. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I have, I'm an OG blogger. <laughs> so I have a decades old blog. Well, more than a decade old uh, blog called imparting grace okay. so that's impartinggrace.com or my own my author website is rochellajparham.com or um, they can also connect with me on the renovare website r-e-n-o-v-a-r-e.org um, or on instagram probably more than the other social media channels instagram i'm just rochella parham and would love to connect that's awesome yeah. and would you close us in prayer Oh, I would be so honored. Awesome. 
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, blessed Holy Spirit present with us now. Aren't you good, God? Aren't you good? Aren't you kind to allow us, Lord, to live in the light? We thank you, Lord, for lifting us, us. We know, God, how small we are, and yet you have lifted us into your life. We thank you. And, Lord, we ask we ask for your grace. We ask for courage that can only come because you so graciously give it. Mm-hmm. We ask for courage to connect, trusting that connection is the life that you've created us for. Lord, we want to live as you live. Mm-hmm. And we are so grateful that the mark of that life is fellowship. Fellowship in the light. Oh, God, may it be. May it be so for all of us, Lord. We trust in you. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. Pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a supporter, visit the More to Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.